Welcome to the February 14th, 2024 Treasure Island Development Authority Board meeting. Item number one, call to order. Director Sen? Here. Director Dunlop? Here. Director Richardson? Here. Director Breston? Director Howard? Here. Director Azim? Here. Director Reif? We do have a quorum. Wonderful, and I'm glad to see a full board today. It's, it's wonderful to see all of you. And um, I've hoped that you've told at least one person today that you love them, whether it's a rom and it doesn't have to be a romantic partner. It could be a grandma, parents, you know, your neighbor who gives you chicken soup when you're when you're sick. I have one of those neighbors. Uh, could be the bus driver on your Muni line. Um, it could be our colleagues. So. Um, so I hope that you've uh, at least say, I love you, I appreciate you, and that's what I want to say to my colleagues on the board. I love you, I appreciate you, and to the staff too, and thank you, Kate, thank for, the, for the chocolate hearts, yes. which we found uh, here. So, um, and before we begin, I would like to dedicate the meeting to Claire Isaacs Wahaftig who was the past president of the Treasure Island Museum. She died on New Year's Eve, but she had she lived a few months more, she would have been 93 on February the 12th, two days ago. Um, she served almost 27 years on the Treasure Island Museum board. Um, she had an active life. Um, the Treasure Island Museum wasn't the only thing that she did. She was at one time the executive director for the Arts Commission in San Francisco. She traveled widely. She was full of spirit and love and um, great energy. Um, and she chaired the board for the Treasure Island Museum. When it started, um, when the Navy, it was under the Navy, the city was not involved. And, and she and her fellow board members kept alive this idea of a Treasure Island Museum even after the uh, Navy transferred the land over to the Treasure Island Development Authority. Um, and they've had ups and downs, but they're so important because they actually remind us what the past was even though we're undergoing such an incredible transformation on the island. It's so important to remember history. So to Claire, we dedicate this um, meeting to you and, um, and we thank you for your, your um, contributions to the city and to the island. Okay, so we can go to the next item, please. Item number two, general public comment. This item is to allow members of the public to address the Treasure Island Development Authority Board on matters that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Authority Board and that do not appear on today's agenda. In addition to general public comment, public comment will be held during each item on the agenda. Members of the public may address the board once per agenda item for up to two minutes. You will hear a chime indicating you have 30 seconds remaining and a second chime when your two minutes are up. At this time, your microphone will be muted to comply with city rules and maintain hearing decorum. Directors shall refrain from entering into discussions with speakers during public comment. If members of the public wish to receive a response from TIDA staff, please email TIDA at sfgov.org and a TIDA staff member will follow up. 
And any members of the public who wish to speak can line up now. Are there any members who would like to address the board on items that are not on the agenda? Okay, seeing none. none. Uh, we'll go to the next item, please. Item number three, report by Treasure Island Director. Okay. Thank you, uh, Chair Tsen, members of the board. Um, I wanted to start today uh, with a bit of unfortunate news. Uh, we did have a fire uh, in a residential unit on Mariner Street last, last Sunday. Um, the fire started in a backyard storage unit and, and spread uh, to the uh, adjacent apartment. There were three households that were displaced with two units being red tagged by DBI. Um, the village's staff scrambled to uh, uh, work with household to find uh, alternate units within our, their vacant inventory. Um, and one Treasure Island uh, has provided support uh, to the households in the form of gift cards and uh, working with Treasure Island Job Corps students to help them move some of their possessions to their new units. Uh, with that, I'd like to invite uh, Nella to Gonsalves to give an update on One Treasure Island's activities. Good afternoon, directors. Nella Gonsalves here from One Treasure Island. Uh, I'd like to briefly highlight what's in my program report for you all. We continue to see increased usage at our food pantry. We're averaging about 200 households um, a week, and so we have continued to request more food from the food bank. Um, and so we are now realizing that we need to start planning for when Starview Court uh, comes online and more residents come on to make sure that we have the capacity to serve all residents. So more information will be shared about that. Uh, CPT 17 is in full swing. We have 14 students in class. Our graduation will be March 1st from 11 to 1 at the Ship Shape and the invitation is included in your package. We've also begun the 2023 tax season and we're offering uh, free tax services on Thursdays and Saturdays, and it'll run through April 15th. We are planning for Black History Month and have a pretty large lunch and learn event scheduled on the island this Saturday at the Job Corps. We've asked our island partners, including Catholic Charities and Home Rise, to assist us with creating exhibits on black history. Um, and then we're going to have it catered with Soul Food, so we're very excited to, to celebrate Black History Month. We are also working with the Department of Elections around uh, increasing voter registration on Treasure Island. It's one of the neighborhoods with the lowest rate of voter registration. And so we've been hosting events around that. We've been going out to individual housing providers, community meetings, and talking to their residents, trying to get them registered to vote. And we are recruiting poll workers. The island-wide community meeting will be held on February 28th via Zoom. And we, um, we've moved on with our NERT training, and so we have an emergency task force meeting that's being held. And just to piggyback what off uh, Director Bob's, uh, Beck said was that we were able to mobilize NERT with this explosion and fire that happened on the island, and many of the 30 people who actually took the NERT training a few weeks ago showed up and mobilized and helped and helped to organize and coordinate with the Red Cross and with Job Corps. So we were very pleased that we were able to be able to support the community in that way. And with that, that's my report. Thank you, Nella. 
Um, continuing um, this past weekend, uh, Gold Bar Spirits also hosted a Super Bowl pop viewing party um, at their uh, location in Building One. Um, they, they temporarily installed a 17-foot uh, TV screen outside in the parking lot and attracted about a thousand visitors. Um, <clears throat> this coming weekend, uh, sorry, the next weekend after next, uh, the 24th and 25th will mark the return of the Treasure Fest uh, monthly arts, craft, food, and, and beverage festival to the island. Um, and the event will be held uh, on the last weekend of each month throughout uh, 2024. On the housing front, uh, February has been and will continue to be a busy month. Uh, we had drop-in sessions for HomeRise residents on February 1st and February 3rd to, to learn more about the IC 4.3 building, uh, that will, which will provide permanent replacement housing for more than half of the current HomeRise households on the island. Um, you'll be hearing more about that project uh, on the regular agenda. <laughs> Attendance was light, but FAQ fact sheets were also distributed to tenants, giving them uh, introductory information. On February 9th, housing authority representatives came to the island to meet with uh, residents of the villages who hold Section 8 vouchers. Um, when offered a replacement unit, uh, households with Section 8 vouchers will need to have their voucher status recertified, recertif and this was uh, an opportunity to make initial connections between residents and the housing authority. Uh, a second uh, visit will be hosted on the 22nd. On the evening of the 21st, uh, TIDA, uh, ARWS, Mercy, and Catholic Charities will be hosting a drop-in session regarding Starview Court for current Catholic Charities residents and volunteering vil villages households that are planning to move into the building. Um, Mercy Housing also began taking small groups of, of uh, Catholic Charity interested residents into Starview Court uh, to view some of the representative units uh, within the buildings. And on the 29th, uh, we'll be hosting a poster session to drum up interest in affordable housing opportunities, uh, both at Starview Court, but also upcoming opportunities at Isle House and Hawkins. Um, our target audience will be vested in legacy residents of the villages. Um, the Starview Court Dahlia Lottery is, is expected to open for registration on March 7th. Uh, also on March 1st, uh, the parking lot that was approved at last month's board meeting uh, to provide uh, some overflow parking for residents of Maceo May and Starview Court should uh, open uh, the first of next month. <clears throat> um, to wrap up my my comments, I did want to uh, present some slides on the uh, DDA amendments that we've been working on with uh, the Office of Economic and Workforce Development and our developer, Treasure Island Community Development. Uh, I've been mentioning this uh, for some time, but wanted to go into a little more detail uh, today, and uh, we'll have this also on the agenda for the, the HITS committee uh, in the beginning of March, uh, and should be bringing this to, anticipate bringing uh, the amendments to the title board for approval 
uh, in at our March board meeting. <clears throat> um, so uh, in terms of context, in the fall of 2021, um, TICD uh, sent City and TIDA a request to exercise the arbitration provisions of the DDA um, and shared that without certain amendments or assistance from the city, the project could come to a pause. Um, we uh, proceeded down a path of mediation, uh, but in uh, the summer of 2022, uh, resolved to, to try and work together on um, <clears throat> some amendments that would be of mutual benefit uh, and keep the project moving. In early 2023, uh, TICD presented uh, TIDA and OEWD with a summary of areas in the DDA that they thought should be revisited to improve the financial feasibility of the project. Uh, and TIDA shared uh, economic projections demonstrating the, the financial constraints that they were facing, including the inability to secure financing for the upcoming stage two infrastructure work. From that time through today, OEWD <clears throat> has led an effort with TIDA, uh, TICD, the City Administrator's Office, Controller's Office, Mayor's Office, and City Attorney's Office to reopen certain areas of the, the disposition and development agreement between TIDA and the developer and the development agreement between the city and the developer to improve the feasibility of, of the project. And we anticipate bringing those amendments to the TIDA board, the Planning Commission, and the Board of Supervisors in March. Um, so um, the, the project on Treasure Island has, has had a, made significant progress in the last several years. We have uh, nearly 1,000 homes that uh, will be being completed uh, by the end of this year or early next year. Um, but the project is at, at risk of slowing uh, or stalling due to infrastructure delays, a challenging economy, and uh, the pace of uh, public financing reimbursements. Uh, and continuing the project is now more important than ever. Uh, Treasure Island represents the, the single largest project underway in the city um, and, a, and a big portion of the city's push to build new housing. Um, TICD and TIDA are, are committed to ensuring the project doesn't lose momentum and are working, uh, bringing these forward uh, with the intention of keeping the project on schedule. Um, some of the, the parameters and objectives that we set out when working with OEWD and the developer, uh, first at a high level is to keep all of the public benefits that we're committed to uh, in the approved 2011 DDA, as well as the affordable housing uh, uh, commitment of 27%. Um, but to defer costs where possible, uh, to improve financial feasibility and cash flow, um, and modernize sections of the, of the DDA that are not comparable with other uh, development agreements in the city or do not align with the project's current schedule. Um, and then significantly to accelerate uh, Treasure Island generated revenues uh, to finance the project uh, during the current uh, challenging economic period. And where possible to implement process improvements and reaffirm city commitments to uh, timely permit review processes and timelines. 
So um, some of the, the schedule of performance uh, items that are proposed, one is to delay the start of the construction of the police and fire station uh, to the uh, 4,000th dwelling unit rather than the 2,500th dwelling unit. Um, and similarly to uh, delay, delay the requirement to commence uh, by, by San Francisco Unified, the construction of the K-5 campus uh, from the 2,500 dwelling unit to the 4,000th dwelling unit. And talking with uh, school district, police and fire, these align with their projections for when these facilities would be needed. So um, there's a, a adjustment in the timeline, uh, but without compromising uh, the schedules that the departments would, would like to see. Um, the delay and reallocate uh, 27 inclusionaries uh, units that were programmed to be in part of stage two to future stages, stages of development and to build in uh, more flexibility for eligible uses for the transportation operating subsidy and tra transportation capital subsidy. And these are, uh, this flexibility is beneficial to both the uh, developer and to the TIMA as they seek to implement uh, the, the island's transportation programs. And then to um, reconfirm other DDDA subsidies that the ICD has already fulfilled or is still obligated to fulfill. On the fiscal side, um, it's proposed to uh, bring $150 million in city-supported capital funds through uh, what are called certificates of, of participation to accelerate uh, reimbursements, uh, public financing reimbursements for the Stage 2 infrastructure. Um, the city would issue bonds that would be structured over the next three to five years based on the development schedule uh, to pay for uh, eligible stage two infrastructure costs. Uh, debt service on the bonds would be paid uh, by the city's general fund, uh, but this is being sized based on anticipated general fund revenues from the construction activities and other activities stimulated by the on-island development. Um, another potential source of, of uh, uh, infrastructure funding is PUC revenue bonds, um, but any amount of PUC revenue bonds would reduce the uh, COP issuance. So the, the total support proposed at this time is $115 million. Um, this will catalyze uh, the development of the next stage of the project and keep that on schedule, and uh, which is important. We have uh, three affordable housing sites within the stage two boundaries. Um, and this, so this ensures uh, the delivery of those sites to us on the schedule uh, to align with our pre-development activities. Also, it uh, removes section 19.6 in the DDA, um, which is a provision where if TIDA's uh, expenses were to exceed our revenues, that would be passed on to TICD as an obligation to serve as a financial backstop to TIDA. Um, this removes that exposure to TICD. Uh, we have, uh, on only one occasion, have we invoiced TICD for costs in excessive revenues. And for the next um, 
several many years, we expect our revenues to continue to be sufficient to fund our operating costs. And uh, the other uh, growing source of funding for us in the future is that uh, parks and open space maintenance and operation as well as certain facility operation costs are eligible expenses uh, to tie it for tied under the community facilities district revenues. So that becomes a supplemental source of revenue that will become available to us as we move forward. Um, there are also some uh, amendments to the design for development. Um, these are, are minor changes to form controls um, and update it really meant to update uh, to match other citywide policies as well as lessons learned from the initial uh, group of projects. Uh, in terms of building form, there's a five foot increase to overall height to ensure um, generous ceiling to floor heights without adding floors to the building. Uh, rooftop allowances for elevator overruns, mechanical screening and windscreens for rooftop open spaces. Um, floor plate calculations are being changed to reflect uh, fire code changes between 2007 and 2023. Um, and then some modifications to the stoop provisions uh, that open onto the, the shared public ways uh, and the mid-block mid fenestration uh, flexibility. Um, then other provisions including allowing temporary irrigation for um, plant establishment for landscaped areas uh, and giving the planning director some additional latitude uh, for addressing unforeseen uh, circumstances and changes in technology. Uh, our schedule for all of this, as I mentioned, uh, we're working to finalize um, language of, for these amendments and as soon as that language is finalized, we'll be distributing it to the board members. Um, uh, in early March, uh, we anticipate OEWD will be introducing these to the, working with the Board of Supervisors to introduce the changes. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, we'll have a briefing at the March uh, HITS committee as well as uh, bringing it to the TIDA board on, on our meeting of March 13th. The Planning Commission will consider them, they're required to act after the Title Board acts, uh, so they'll consider it in early April. Um, and then uh, committees of the board uh, will consider meetings of the Budget and Finance and Land Use Committee with then final approval at the full board. Um, and then uh, the uh, financing that was discussed here uh, would be issued in the fall of 2024 uh, and we'd see our stage two infrastructure gear ramping up in late 2024. So with that, uh, I'll wrap up my comments for today and uh, open it up for questions. Great, thank you so much. And I know that this is the first time that the board is hearing about the potential amendments to the DDA and to the DDA. I did get a briefing um, earlier this week from, from Bob. Um, but we, we do have two more sessions when we can really delve into it, um, both the committee as well as the next board meeting in March. Um, and because this is a, we have a budget that we have to approve for, for um, this, set, this meeting today, um, I would suggest that if you have immediate questions, um, general questions, that we do that, but that we save for the committee and the next board meeting 
any um, any deep deeper um, investigations that you would like to have. So, um, and and I would uh, just um, like to add to this um, that Bob's report that um, we understand that it's a very difficult time economically for multifamily housing developers. Um, affordable housing has subsidies. Those projects seem to be going ahead. But, um, and then luxury market units, some of it is being built, but it's a very difficult time right now in San Francisco, uh, but also in, in the region for multifamily housing development to, to be built. And as a result, um, we're finishing up the first phase of buildings, um, but the, the cycle is such that the second phase has not begun. And so this is a way to assist the um, overall development on Treasure Island so that we can continue the momentum that we have already, that we can continue to go forward. And a very significant change is that $115 million um, of bond revenues will be paid through the general fund and not just the tax increments that are coming from um, Treasure Island. So I think that's a significant support that the city is giving to support the ongoing development of Treasure Island. And I know that all of us have been wanting to see services um, that we provide on Treasure Island um, be more integrated into the city because we are, in fact, part of the city. And so for those social services, health services, um, educational uh, services to residents on the island, that that be integrated into also the city and the general fund as well and not rely just on the Treasure Island development budget. So um, I'm, I'm going to open it to the board, and then I'll open it to the public. Yes, Mr. Dunlop. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you, Bob, for your report um, to respect your request that we hold off until we have another few meetings. I, I won't ask questions. Obviously, there's, you know, we all know that the city itself is in a somewhat of a budget crisis, and, and yet it seems like some of the money depends on that, but I'm not going to ask any questions on that. I have an entirely different thing. Um, you know, many people, although I don't really know the numbers, in, enjoyed the little uh, circuit uh, bus that uh, um, the electric circuit bus and it discontinued as was planned. Is there any thoughts of it going on? And you'd mentioned this in your report, which is why I bring it up. Yeah, um, we we don't have funding to continue it now, um, and there was there were certain challenges with the technology that we were employing uh, in in this. Uh, trial. Ultimately, we do plan to have an on-island shuttle, uh, you know, that would connect the the residential areas with the the ferry terminal uh, at the front of the island, as well as the parks on on Yerba Buena Island. Um, but we're probably a couple years away from the start of that shuttle operation. Thank you, Miss um, Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Bob Beck, um, for your presentation. Uh, looking at the objectives of the DDA-related amendment, they seem to make sense. 
Um, and I know that the board will have a lot of time to really go through a lot of the provisions. So for the next um, meeting, I think it will be beneficial to itemize those sections and provisions that are part of the key objectives that are now comparable to existing developments. And let's know what those provisions are that you're going to be modernizing. I think we need a laundry list so that you could be able to help us with um, our discussion on this. It will be extremely helpful. But overall, I think um, the objectives outlined uh, really make sense because the overall goal is to keep this project afloat. And as Commissioner Shen mentioned, the economic challenges are real. And we already know in San Francisco that projects that last from a decade to 20 decades undergo various economic cycles. And we are able to be flexible and make the appropriate changes to make sure those are successful. The only challenge right now is that this particular economic cycle is unprecedented because everything that we thought we knew before are now we don't know them. And San Francisco um, needs to be revitalized back. So, and here we are, the largest project in San Francisco right now that is active, that can really help San Francisco with their housing you know, allocations by the state and help to spur the economic vitality. And so we are interested and committed to doing whatever it takes to get this project going. And so, so that's all I wanted to add. So that particular provision, please make sure that we elaborate on those. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yes, Mr. Ref. Bob, I want to thank you for your report. It's great. And um, we definitely want to keep this project going because it's a lot of jobs for residents of San Francisco and the, and the community, you know, so we really need to do what we can to keep this going. So that's all I have. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. So um, the public, are there anybody wishing to comment on this agenda item? You may come up. Hello, thank you. I'm a veteran. I, li I live at the new Project 55 Gravit Street. And um, it's the transportation and the parking. Uh, I was wondering if we could get like a post office on Treasure Island so we don't have to go into town. And also the red curbs, there are a lot of red curbs where there just seems to be trees there. They're brand new. And um, if you would consider making those parking spaces, um, not really sure how it's gonna work as more and more people come and fill buildings like the one that I live in, which is a beautiful building. Um, but um, if the Bay Bridge is going to get like clogged up or if there's gonna be more lanes put on, <laughs> Like, how would we come back and forth? Like, um, I know there's a lot, it seems like a lot of uh, red tape and bureaucracy to put infrastructure in San Francisco when 
there's housing that can go up, but there's also like a need for, you know, a library, a post office, a drugstore, um, you know, things that the schools that you mentioned as well, like that are needed for when people live there. You know, unlike when, um, you know, all of the um, tech companies came, you know, during Mayor Ed Lee's, um, when he was the mayor, and a lot of the people, you know, had to, you know, the rents went up and the housing became a real problem. And those, like, companies um, are designed for people that just come into the city and then leave every day. So you don't have to have, like, the police stations, the grocery stores, the, you know, the libraries and post offices. Thank you for your comment. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we, we will note your concerns. Okay, anybody else? Item number four. Oh, excuse me. Good afternoon. Um, I'm a veteran at Maceo May as well. Um, I just wanted to ask if there was any possibility of for the overflow that you mentioned for the parking that we don't have at Maceo May, is it a possibility that you can lower the prices on, on something like that or, or see, see that it'll, we're already, you know, having a hard time with parking, as she said. Um, um, I was gonna request motorcycle parking if possible or more um, handicapped parking. There's only one slot in front of our building for a handicap, there's no motorcycle parking and it's just, you know, I understand that it's new development and there's other streets that need to be open so we can have more room to move around. Um, that's all I have to say. And just thank you again for giving me the opportunity for, the, for this afternoon. Thank you. Any other public comment? Well, um, thank, you, thank you so much uh, for coming, especially the Maceo May residents, because we were pleased that you are attending a tidal board meeting. Uh, Maceo May was a project which we advocated for and pushed for and financed, and we're really pleased that it's fully occupied. I know that parking is an issue, but it is something that we have to do with public policy. Um, get a balance simply because if we have an island of 8,000 homes, new homes, um, and 20,000 people, we cannot have everybody on the island having cars getting onto the Bay Bridge. And so we're trying to develop alternative means of transit um, so that people will find it easy to get around the island um, using public transportation and so well, that that's the balance that we're trying to maintain and it's going to take a little time to get there but um, I think that staff is addressing the parking issue there's some overflow parking that is temporary parking that is being developed as I understand yeah the, there's a parking lot that has been developed and um, we, we'd heard feedback about potentially incorporating motorcycle parking within that or, or on the street. So we'll be working with MTA to also look at on-street options as well as, as options within the parking lot. Okay, all right. So thank you. 
Yes. Um, so let's see. Um, I have uh, Tim. Are you on the line? Okay. Yes. Go ahead, Mike. I was uh, just curious about the um, uh, disability parking, handicap parking. Uh, is there some regulation as to how much there should be available per unit or you know per number of uh, other parking? you know, non-restricted parking? Um, I, I don't know that there's a specific uh, uh, requirement for interior parking, but a good portion of the interior parking will be uh, for, um, for disabled parking, uh, people with disabled parking placards. On the streets, there's a focus on uh, uh, universal loading zones so that if you know each building needs to have a universal loading zone so that if a, uh, a vehicle with a, a wheelchair lift for instance needs to pick up somebody or drop somebody off so that the in terms of the the loading zone access it's it's all being designed for universal access um, there are a number of, of uh, uh, there will be there will be a number of uh, on-street uh, handicap spaces as well, um, but I'm not sure how the mix is set between uh, standard uh, metered parking spaces and, and disabled parking spaces. Thank you. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, yes, yes. Mr. Graff, Bob, go ahead. So you're, we're going to have uh, like a yellow zone, white zone, red zone, and then you know the meters would be out there and it's my understanding if you're handicapped and you have a placard you can park at the meter for an unlimited amount of time correct that that's my understanding as yeah. well yeah okay yes. yeah. Right. thank you and and with the the roadways going to uh, uh, going through the acceptance process MTA is now going to to start the process of establishing white zones and uh, hours of meter operations and so forth. So they'll be starting their internal hearing processes for those, implementing those on the island. Um, but they'll they'll also be rolling out, uh, uh, you know, some initial enforcement of red zones and and others. Now that these are these are officially city streets. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that will be happening. Um, when the acceptance process is complete is that not just seven C's will be open, but we'll also be opening up Johnson and Cravath and Avenue of the Palms. So there will be more frontage available mm -hmm. uh, as well. Right. Um, and I hope that there'll be adequate notice to the residents before any of the meters and the parking fees get instituted. Yeah, no, MTA is, is, is developing uh, uh, a plan and Anne-Marie uh, Rogers is coordinating with them. Um, and on the DDA amendments, I, I really should highlight that a lot of the work here um, has been done by uh, Jamie Karubin, Anne-Marie Rogers, Lee Lutensky, and Ann Topier with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development. There's been a, a, a very much a team uh, effort there with uh, everybody playing an important part. Good, excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> Okay, um, next item, please. Item number four, communications from and received by TIDA. Okay, any comments or any questions from the public on the communications? No. Hearing none, next item, please. Item number four, on, sorry, item five, ongoing business by board of directors. Any items that the board would like to bring up? 
Hearing none, um, next item please. Item number six, consent agenda. 6A, approving the minutes of the January 10th, 2024 TIDA board meeting. 6B, approving the minutes of the January 19th, 2024 TIDA board retreat. 6C, resolution authorizing the Treasure Island Director to prepare legislation for submission to the Board of Supervisors seeking approval to amend the sublease and property management agreement for Treasure Island market rate rental housing between Tida and John Stewart Company for a period in excess of 10 years. 6D, resolution approving an amendment and restated memorandum of understanding between Tida and the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission for utility services at former Naval Station Treasure Island. So moved. Um, before I take a second, um, are there any items on the ag consent agenda that that any of the directors would like to um, discuss separately? I'll okay. second it. All right. So it's been moved and seconded. Um, do we have to get public comment? Yes. Is there any public comment on item six? Seeing none. Okay. So um, then we'll take the vote. All those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you very much. And I see representatives from John Stewart Company here today. And I know that you've worked with Treasure Island for so many years managing the villages. And we really appreciate your service to the island. And you're really an important partner for us. Yes. Item number seven. Resolution approving and endorsing an option to lease agreement between TIDA and IC 4.3 Family Housing, providing an option with a term of three years with an extension option of 12 months to lease parcel IC 4.3 for the development of low income housing. And um, this, you know, really, as mentioned, it, it represents an important project in the stage two. Uh, area of development and our first opportunity to provide replacement housing for current home rise residents of the island. Um, but Natalie Bonowit, uh, consultant, uh, affordable housing consultant, will provide uh, the background on, on this project. Hello, Natalie, go ahead. Thank you so much, Natalie Bonowit, affordable housing development consultant. So, excuse me. So today, first, we are just going to provide context for the action item, which is to request approval for site control in the form of execution of an option to lease. Uh, then we will introduce the development team. It's very exciting. And then the third part of the agenda is the actual request for approval of the resolution. So before I start, I would like to invite up Nella from One Treasure Island. Good afternoon again, directors. Nella Gonsalves from One Treasure Island. It's been a long journey and we're thrilled to be making progress in meeting the terms of the Treasure Island Agreement in partnership with TIDA and our member agencies. Our newest development is a partnership between Catholic Charities and the John Stewart Company working in collaboration with HomeRise. And we are so proud of our esteemed members for coming together to be able to tackle this housing crisis. 
Both the John Stewart Company and Catholic Charities have significant experience in the housing world. The John Stewart Company is known for their expertise in housing development and property management, while Catholic Charities has a strong reputation for providing supportive housing services to San Francisco's for many years. And in a few, you'll have a chance to meet them. So thank you, we're very happy that this is progressing. Thank you, Nella. And what's also exciting about this particular moment in time is to be filled in a room with members who have decades of experience on Treasure Island. So like you all, people who are um, longtime fans and really see the vision and want to implement the vision. So uh, as Nella said, um, uh, in order to get to the point of uh, talking about what we're here for from an action item perspective, the context of who's on the island today obviously really matters. And so we are in the process, the collective we, of implementing the One Treasure Island Agreement. And every, right now there's 224 existing former Navy units that are occupied by One Treasure Island households and are provided services by One Treasure Island members. And, um, Tida is working on the initial projects with One Treasure Island member agencies to ensure the replacement of all those units. As you know, and as you can see on the um, diagram, it's the authority lots where all the One Treasure Island units are replaced, as well as where all the legacy households from the villages are also relocating into as well as new affordable units that are offered via Dahlia, that's the San Francisco's lottery process, and villages, legacy invested um, villages residents have preference for those units. So as you can see, all those uh, green boxes are the authority units. And then quickly, we all know about Maseo May Apartments. They, they began operations in earnest last summer, and this summer, we expect Starview Court to do so. And Health Rate 360, One Treasure Mound Health Rate, will be moving into the Behavioral Health Building. And that's a partnership with the Department of Public Health and uh, also has turnkey development services by Mercy Housing. And the next project, which will also include transition units for residents of the villages, will be senior housing. And that's, they're both on parcel E1.2 which leads us to HomeRise. So as Bob mentioned, this is the final One Treasure Island member agency that will need to have all of its units replaced. There are 114 HomeRise units on island in operation, and the first 60 will move into parcel IC 4.3. Uh, there's no change. It's gonna take a while for that unit to get built, and we'll learn more about that in a moment. And there's no change to current operations until the folks move, meaning that HomeRise residents will continue to be served by HomeRise for property management and services until they move. However, we, as Bob Melson mentioned, um, have recently met with residents in collaboration with HomeRise staff and will be meeting in with Catholic Charities, who will be the new services provider, to prepare for moving forward. Everybody's working in collaboration, and that's also, um, uh, yeah, it's a healthy uh, working environment, and we're excited by that. 
So that leads me to Authority Parcel IC 4.3. As mentioned, it's the first 60 of 114 home-rise units. And for your reference, if you look at box number 12, that's where the remaining 54 home-rise households will move into. That's in the future. Um, but as stated, we are now focusing on what's labeled as number 11, parcel IC 4.3. And in addition to the 60 home-rise units will be 30 transition units for legacy households. And the remaining affordable units uh, are the ones for which legacy invested residents will have preference via Dahlia. And there will also be a new child care center. And it's received pre-development money and the first batch of um, IRFD funds as part of the pre-development funding package. And so with that, I'd like to first invite up Ellen to introduce a portion of the team. It's on? Yeah. Thanks, Natalie. Appreciate that. Um, hello. Good afternoon, Madam President and board members. It's nice to see you. Hi, Nabiha. Um, so uh, I'm the CEO of Catholic Charities CYO of uh, the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And in my role, we're working very closely in collaboration with our partners, our co-development partner, the John Stewart Company, on the IC 4.3 project. So as you may know, Catholic Charities has over 30 years of experience working on Treasure Island. Uh, Mr. Eric Brown is here, who's been there for 30 years. Um, it's a great resource for us. We've also provided child care on Treasure Island for 15 years. Catholic Charities, however, was founded in 1853, so we have been providing services in the Bay Area for 170 years. We serve about 70,000 people annually by providing supportive services to over 7,000 formerly unhoused clients. We're very proud of the work that we do and the services we provide. We're excited to be co-developing this project with the John Stewart Company, given their expertise in affordable housing development and our extensive services experience, partnering together, which um, I don't know if you know, but we used to, in the 170 years, be an affordable property developer. That was part of what we did until uh, we split off and Mercy took that part of our work and we kept the services side. So we're very interested in going back to our roots and learning everything we can about affordable housing development again. And um, we have a good teacher with John Stewart Company and the team that we've put together. Um, we are partnering in all aspects of the development process in order to lead and learn. Um, we will be providing resident services coordination to the building residents and case management uh, to the 61TI replacement units currently uh, serviced by HomeRise. In addition, we'll operate the future on-site child care center, uh, expanding that and growing that to support 70 kids on the island from the current child care center that we operate. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon and your consideration of our request. It's a very exciting project, and now I have the pleasure of introducing Jack Gardner, Chairman of the Board from the John Stewart Company. Thank you. Thanks very much, Ellen, and um, greetings, President Sen, Vice President Richardson, directors, and Titus staff. Um, I am Jack Gardner. I'm Chairman of the Board of the John Stewart Company. 
We are a 46-year-old company headquartered here in San Francisco. We're the state's largest manager of affordable housing with over 35,000 units under management across the state. And we are the long-term sub lessee and manager of the former Navy housing on Treasure Island. I appreciate your comments about the museum, uh, President Sen. I feel a little bit like a piece of walking history sometimes when it comes to the island. Uh, and if you'll indulge me in just a very brief um, trip back down through memory lane. But it was in 1999, following the Navy, Navy's closure of the, its base on Treasure Island, its transfer to the city, and a public competitive process that JSCO was awarded a sublease of 766 units of former Navy housing on the island for renovation and management. Following that award, JSCO invested $10 million uh, to renovate the units. We then leased them up to members of the public, and we've managed them for the past 25 years, including a recompetition, a public competitive process, uh, 10 years ago. We're very pleased and appreciate the board's approval of seeking the Board of Supervisors approval to again extend our agreement. And I hope it's not hubris to say that nobody knows the island's uh, former Navy housing better than JSCO and its staff. And we would be very happy to continue managing it for TIDA. We are primarily known as a manager of affordable housing by TIDA and really the rest of the state, honestly. But as Ellen mentioned, we're also an active developer and operator of affordable housing and have developed over 5,000 units of high quality affordable housing of all kinds across California. We're extremely pleased to be working with Catholic Charities and One Treasure Island to develop permanent and affordable, deeply affordable, supportive housing on the island, which we see as a continuation of our presence there for the long term and honoring our late founder, John Stewart's decades of support for the transformation of the island into San Francisco's newest mixed income and mixed use neighborhood. So with that, I'd really like to uh, get to the meat of the matter and introduce Don Lusty, JSCO Housing Director, for an overview of the proposed development. Thank you very much for your time and support. Thanks, Jack. <clears throat> Excuse me. And good afternoon, presidents and directors. Very happy to be here today to talk about this project. And I'm just going to take a couple of minutes to provide an overview of, of the project and the work that the team has completed to date. Since the development team was selected in 2023, we have completed the selection of the architect the general contractor and the construction manager. So we have a really well-rounded and very experienced team. I'm really happy about the group of folks working on this project. We received approval for a $4.5 million pre-development loan from OCD, which includes up to $1.5 million from the TI-specific IRFD uh, bond fund proceeds. We've approved a test fit for the building that achieves the following programmatic goals. Provides 150 units of housing, studios, ones, twos, threes, and four bedrooms, parking for 55 cars, property management and services offices and meeting rooms, <clears throat> excuse me, community rooms and two outdoor courtyards, indoor and outdoor childcare space um, that Ellen mentioned accommodating 70 children. 
And just to reiterate what Natalie said, <clears throat> future residents will include 60 home-rise households all supported with rent subsidy, 30 legacy households from the villages, and 59 households with incomes below 60% of area median income that will be selected through MoCD's Dahlia process with the pre preference for vested households at the villages and one staff unit. We anticipate the following development schedule. It's you know rough at this time, and and obviously a lot will depend on the availability of state funding over the next couple of years. But we anticipate a state funding application in the in the summer of 2025 and early 2026. Construction closing start of construction in late 2026, and construction completion 20 months later in the summer of 2028. Um, as I said, we're really excited about this project. We thank you for your support. And I'm going to turn this back over to Natalie, and we're here to answer questions. Thank you. Thanks, Don. So the action item today is to request site control. Site control is a threshold requirement for being able to access funding. And uh, this is something we've done for four other projects now that you all have approved. And the form of site control is an option to lease, and that's in your packet, as well as the resolution. And in essence, um, it's a 99-year, the option to lease uh, would eventually lead to a ground lease that would be a 99-year term. Um, and uh, once, if approved, then you'd uh, um, uh, be authorizing Director Beck to be able to execute the option, and if there are no major um, material changes to the terms, eventually the ground lease. So, um, and it further allows Director Beck um, to enter into any and all funding agreements as a result of the proposed use. And so with that, we welcome any questions and um, also, Welcome, support for um, entertaining the motion, the action item. Thank you. Um, I'll open it up to questions, um, first from the board and then from the public. But before we do that, just talking about walking down memory lane, Ellen, this was be perhaps before your time, but in fact, I, did, I was a consultant to Catholic Charities in Oakland, and we did several housing developments at the time when Catholic Charities was doing development. And I know subsequently you had a split in Mercy, housing became the developer, and you became the social services. But it's so important, housing alone is not enough, and you absolutely need the social services. So I'm glad that Catholic Charities is still providing that. And, and for the John Stewart Company, I knew John Stewart uh, for decades, actually. And one of, his, uh, one of the first housing projects that you managed was also in Oakland. And, um, developed by a nonprofit, um, but that's when I first met John Stewart, and I think that was in 1985, wow. <laughs> long time ago. So, um, but we will um, um, certainly open it up, and do we have some questions yes, here? Um, so question. I have, uh, Tim, do you yeah. have, no? Linda? Um, Mr. Dunlop? Okay. Yes, uh, first I'd like to say, my relationship with John Stewart Company has always been great, and I've never, heard much negative except 
people, some people are negative, but as, as they know well, but, um, and they've managed all the issues really well. And so I have you know, nothing but high acclaim for the, their work. And of course, Catholic Charities, we know how well they, they work too. Um, I don't know if this is appropriate, but the, at the beginning of the meeting, the discussion about the financial stuff, is that gonna be interfering with this or is that left for another time to discuss the, the you know, the- The financing, I'm sorry. The, the, the development. Is, yeah, development, sorry. Sorry, um, this, this project is in the stage two project area. So um, the, the, the pre-development work that is in process, progress for this site is, is assuming that that measure moves forward and TICD is able to continue the infrastructure that will serve this site. Um, if there's a slowdown in that infrastructure, that would impact the schedule for this development. Okay, um, yeah, this seems very exciting, and so I sure hope things move forward. Okay. And the economy changes. So. Thank you. Thanks. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for that uh, wonderful presentation. Um, this is a great day for Treasure Island and the city and county of San Francisco because we've said that over and over again that we are the one that are trying to build the various housing needs uh, for the San Francisco residents of which Treasure Island are. Because if you look at this composition, we have senior housing, we have homeless, we have all kinds. And I'm looking here and I have the consortium of One Treasure Island, John Stewart, Catholic Charities, Mercy Housing, Home Rise, Health Rise, Chinatown Community Development, a nonprofit that is doing wonderful work in San Francisco. We have source to plowshare, you know, for the veterans. And I would love after today for a press conference for Treasure Island in collaboration with the Mayor Breed in San Francisco because we are at a point right now that this meeting is great. There are people watching and maybe later on. However, we need the, the messages that we need to convey to the entire of the city and county of San Francisco, especially at this time when people are misrepresenting and we have this misinformation and we are building infrastructure, we're creating new roads, new art, we are building housing despite the economic conditions and we have the blessings of the mayor that, you know, helping and we have TIDA staff, we have Treasure Island Development Authority. I would love Mr. Beck, uh, for that press conference, and again, to list the housing providers, the collaborative, so that people can know that we mean business here in San Francisco. It can also help us out there for the financing because it's gonna be distributed, and this is how we are going to be getting the help that we need. So I definitely will be approving this, and hopefully that the more partnership from all our, you know, esteemed and, you know, providers can be here as well. So thank you so much all for your working together and working as partners to TIDA. Thank you. 
Thank you, Ms. Richardson. Um, Ms. Azim? Um, I agree with my commissioner. It's very exciting to have more projects come online. And hi, Ellen. It's <laughs> very exciting to see you all. Um, just out of curiosity, I know site control is the first step, and there's a long road ahead, and there's a lot of other projects coming up as well. What is the timeline? When would this project go into the whole TCAC application round? Well, done. And I know that is also a hard question to answer at this time. Yeah, I mean, there's a kind of shifting landscape in state funding, as you know, year to year. But <clears throat> our hope is to apply for the HCD Supernova, NOFA, in this, which comes out in the spring, summer every year. That would be 2025. And that would allow us to be competitive for bonds in the first round of the following year, so early 2026. And then we'd have a, you know, we, we get our award and we'd have 180 days to close, which would put us towards the end of 2026 for construction closing and construction start. Got it, thanks. So then phase two infrastructure really would need to move along before this can come online. Thanks. Which is why I appreciated that question because we need those development agreement amendments to happen. Yeah, that's right. And while you're up here, um, you said that you've selected your team of architect and contractor. Um, who, who have you chosen? We've selected Paulette Taggart, architects, um, who's done work on the island. And the general contractor is Cahill, who's also done work on the island. And our construction manager is Aaron Carson, who used to be my former colleague at MoCD for a while, she was there many years. So we have a really experienced team um, and folks with a lot of good experience on the island, which I think will be really helpful. Very, a very experienced team and, and experience throughout the region, but also on Treasure Island specifically. Yeah, so thank you. Okay, are there any other questions? Then looking to the board, I mean to the public, are there any questions from the public? No. So hearing none, we have an action item here. So moved. Okay, so it's moved and second. So all those in favor say aye. 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 All those um, opposed, the ayes have it. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Let's keep okay, going. next item, please. Item number eight, resolution approving the budget submittal of the Treasure Island Development Authority for fiscal year 2024 through 25 and fiscal year 2025 through 26 to the mayor's budget office and authorizing the Treasure Island director to enter into work orders for service with other city departments, professional service contracts, and agree agreements with service providers. Good morning, directors, or afternoon, sorry, directors. Um, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, Jamie Krubin, finance manager with Tida. Um, nothing like the day of love to celebrate our love for numbers, right? <laughs> um, before I uh, dive into my presentation, uh, I want to uh, take a moment to thank all of the Tida staff for participating in this budget process um, and providing their feedback um, and expertise, as well as um, Diane Alberto and Leanne Hernandez on the finance administration team for um, helping put this budget proposal together. Um, as Kate mentioned, the item before you is a resolution to approve uh, the two-year budget for fiscal year 2025 and fiscal year 2026. Um, just uh, to remind uh, this board of the timeline. Uh, so uh, in December, you heard an initial um, 
informational item on the budget uh, at the January 10th board meeting. Uh, there was a draft budget presented, and then before you today is the resolution to finally adopt the budget, which will enable us to submit um, TIDA's departmental budget to the city, city administrator's office, who will then consolidate all departmental budgets under the city administrator and submit to the mayor's budget office um, in the coming weeks. And that will start the process for the final Board of Supervisors review and approval of the budget uh, for um, committee hearings in June uh, for the start of the next fiscal year on July 1st. As a reminder, uh, the mayor uh, did provide budget instructions late last year. Uh, that was on the heels of an October 2023 mayor-mandated budget reduction um, citywide, which resulted in about $75 million of one-time reductions and $35 million of ongoing reductions thereafter. Um, in December, the mayor made the request for all general fund departments to reduce their budgets by 10% um, with a 5% contingency. Uh, in effort to address the city's $1.35 billion projected deficit over the next five years. Um, uh, TIDA, uh, as a non-general fund department, is being directed to balance our budget within our own um, revenues. The proposed budget before you uh, for fiscal year 2025 is approximately $34.6 million, and for fiscal year 2026, approximately $40.5 million. Um, the budget is uh, divided into three subcategories, uh, the authority cost budget, uh, the city cost budget, which seeks to be funded by uh, TICD and developer reimbursements, and then the subsidy budget, which is to be paid for by non-TIDA revenues uh, or development-specific um, subsidies. Uh, the two changes we made to our budget overall um, as we've mentioned before, is we've adjusted our budget to better align with prior year actuals. Um, and as in reference to the DDA amendments presented as part of the director's report, uh, the authority cost budget proposal before you um, is balanced against authority cost revenues. It does not assume a budgetary deficit or a, a payment from TICD in the case of a budgetary shortfall. Um, in terms of the revenues um, that are assumed in the budget proposal, about $15 million of those revenues are to cover authority costs specifically. Um, that comes from commercial revenues, residential revenues we receive from John Stewart Company, certain common area maintenance fees, and other tighter revenues from special taxes, funding agreements, and other non-lease revenues. About 6.4 million of our um, budget is paid for by developer paid uh, revenues, uh, specifically under the provision that TICD is required to cover any costs TIDA, uh, TIDA expends as a result of implementing uh, the development project. And then $13.2 million um, of our revenues uh, come from um, certain developer subsidies. Uh, from TICD, vertical, vertical developer fees, such as the art fee, and other special taxes. Uh, the proposed budget, again, is divided into three cost categories. Um, the authority cost budget was approximately $15 million. 
um, pays for personnel and administration services. That includes Titus staff, uh, our contract with One Treasure Island, as well as other costs related to supplies, marketing, um, departmental service contracts, and administrative contracts. Um, that also includes um, a portion of development-related contractual services, uh, specifically with the Treasure Island Mobility Management Agency and the SFCTA, um, as well as a portion uh, for TIDA operations and maintenance related to the ongoing maintenance of TIDA assets, as well as legal fees and work orders with city departments. Uh, under the city cost budget, the $6.4 million amount is to cover development-related contracts, um, city attorney fees related to development, as well as city department services that are specifically in support of the development. And then lastly, the, in the budget, the subsidy budget category, the $13.2 million is comprised of the job broker program subsidy about $10.5 million tied to housing development costs, um, as well as direct funding for affordable housing, about $2 million in parks and open space maintenance um, and habitat management, uh, and then um, no current portions assumed for the Arts Commission, but I will go into further detail of these areas in the coming slides. Uh, the budget goals uh, is to develop a fully balanced budget funding all costs uh, paid for by Treasure Island revenues and developer and subsidy revenues. Uh, the goal of our budget is to assume all costs uh, to keep TIDA's operations running um, and support on-island operations, programs, and development activities. Um, and we also want to have our budget uh, include certain development expenses that will be reimbursed by TICD and subsidies. Uh, pursuant to the DDA, we are required to share the proposed budget with the master developer TICD and discuss any questions or concerns they may have. Uh, TIDA staff has met with TICD staff and they have confirmed they have no objections to our budget. Um, as feedback uh, that, that we received and staff received uh, from the prior budget proposal, I wanted to take a moment to dive into specific categories of our budget, um, both as prioritization areas of um, how we are spending our budget. So I'm gonna dive into um, these topics, so affordable housing, transportation, parks and open space, community services and programs, arts and equity. On the affordable housing um, and tr transition housing plan implementation front, uh, the total budget dedicates about $10.5 million in support of this area. Um, that's uh, split across uh, the direct contract with the Associated Right-of-Way Services or the Treasure Island Advisors. Um, about 960,000 is dedicated to pay in lieu fees, certain moving costs, and certain interim rent as a result of implementing the THRNRs. Um, about 400,000 is for direct staff services with the Mayor's Office of Housing. Um, 95,000 um, for affordable housing consultant services. Um, and as related to the prior item, um, about $9 million in direct project funding. Um, uh, this specific line item is tied to the developer housing subsidy that we generate as a result of market rate development. Um, and this portion specifically will partially fund the DPH Behavioral Health Building located on Treasure Island, 
as well as a portion of the IC 4.3 project we just heard about. Um, for transportation, uh, the proposed budget dedicates about $1.24 million in support of transportation projects. About $300,000 uh, is a contribution to the Southgate project, um, which is administered by the SFCTA and has just reached completion. About $625,000 is for the Westside Bridges project, which is currently under construction. And $330,000 uh, is for ongoing MTA planning review uh, services, as well as parking and traffic services on TI and YBI. Um, as a reminder for this uh, board, uh, there is a portion of uh, transportation costs that live outside of Treasure Island's budget, or Titus' budget, rather. Um, and that's supported specifically by the TIMA, um, which they dedicate funds for Treasure Island-related transportation by grants, regional funds, and direct TIMA revenues. Uh, we, uh, the TIMA also uh, will be receiving a $30 million uh, TICD transportation subsidy over time, uh, which is available in future years to support operations. Um, and not included in this year's budget, but in prior year budgets are two very significant grants that support transportation um, on Treasure Island. One is the $30 million infill and infrastructure grant given by the state to support Hillcrest and about a $7 million grant from HCD to support uh, prior costs on Southgate. On the parks and open space front, about $2 million of our proposed budget uh, is dedicated for ongoing parks and open space maintenance. Um, $1.7 million of this amount um, is directed specifically for operations and maintenance um, as new parks come online. Um, starting off with a dog park. Um, $250,000 in our budget is allocated for parks and open space operations planning. Uh, this is for sort of a long-term plan um, uh, uh, document, I think, that will be created. Um, $100,000 of this is for as-needed invasive species management, and about $80,000 um, is for ongoing work with the Department of Environment related to habitat ma management. Um, all of these costs uh, that I listed above are paid for by the TICD open space subsidy, and if needed, the community facilities district special taxes. On the community services and programs front, uh, approximately $2 million uh, is in support for all of the wonderful services and programs we have on Treasure Island. $1.2 million of that is a portion of the 1TI contract, which supports the ship shape, the food pantry, the construction training program, as well as community facilities planning. Uh, we are continuing to support the YMCA uh, operations. Um, to the island, the Boys and Girls Club Camp Mendocino summer program, and certain after-school and on-island summer youth programs. Uh, this also continues to support a partial subsidy for the child care center facility that is administered by Catholic Charities, as well as a, um, the Department of Public Health on-island clinic. And uh, this will also support about $35,000 for ongoing events uh, that we host on Treasure Island. Uh, in terms of our equity program, um, our budget uh, allocates approximately 570000 
uh, for equity programs um, in planning. Uh, 35, uh, sorry, 350,000 of this amount is uh, apportioned for a Treasure Island Community Kitchen project uh, that is to expand the YMCA facilities for use by local residents, community groups, entrepreneurs, and micro businesses. Uh, $200,000 of this budget is for uh, planning staff for equity planning. And a portion will also go for uh, on-island quarterly community meetings, very similar to the open house that was hosted uh, this January, as well as two on-island TIDA board meetings. And lastly, to touch on the art program, um, as I had mentioned earlier, the fiscal year 25 budget does not um, increase our appropriation authority um, for, for the art program, but it does assume about 550,000 in year two, fiscal year 26. Um, this doesn't mean that there aren't revenues available uh, to fund ongoing art programs. It just means that we're not increasing our appropriation authority. Um, and the goal and the reason behind that is to match our appropriation authority with the expected amount of revenues we've received. Um, the TIDA program has, cur has currently $4.3 million in budget authority already granted, uh, but we've only collected about $3.6 million in RV revenues, so we're seeking to balance those two numbers. Um, TIDA staff is re recommending that we hold back on additional appropriations until additional revenues are collected as a result of market rate um, development. Uh, the Art Commission, however, is planning to program $235,000 of revenue it's already received in fiscal year 2025. Um, and if we do receive revenues in fiscal year 2026, um, they do plan to program a portion or up to $1.2 million in additional uh, program costs. Um, just showing the timeline again, uh, and that is all I have for you. Thank you so much for your time, and happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. I, I think that you've laid out the budget very clearly, and um, I appreciate that you've grouped the expenses so that we understand where in the budget um, it's coming from. So um, I, I um, have... To, uh, basically two, two comments, questions, and then I'll open up the board and then to the public. Um, I am wondering um, the, whether we have enough in the maintenance and operations budget for the parks. You know, this has been something of a concern for the board, um, and I believe we will, we have a plan on how to go forward to think about how do we operate, how do we maintain and manage the parks, especially since the responsibility is now going to be on our shoulders. Um, the projections for the um, operations, um, you have 1.688 in this year's budget for, um, the, for basically the maintenance and management of, of all the parks, right? Um, uh, was the budget for the parks maintenance, has that been updated from where, you know, we did have projections back, I think, when we adopted the master plan in 2011, but 
when was the last time that those um, projections on operating costs, um, when were they last updated? What are we basing this on? That's based on um, work that was done with MJM mm -hmm. to develop a, a park-specific uh, staffing forecast for, for that park. Yes. And, for, and these parks. Yeah. The and, and my concern was that MJM did that projection, and I don't know. Can, do you remember when that was? It's certainly been more than. No, that was. That was it's been a couple of years now, but it was relatively recent. Um, we we did that as part of developing the maintenance manual for for the phase one parks. Uh, uh, they also developed some staffing projections. Um, and uh, I, I'd like to, I wonder if we can, in one of the committee meetings, have those projections be brought back. Um, and I believe that there was going to be also a look by Parks and Rec because they have an economic financial model um, that they have been using for city parks to make sure that we also compare our budget to, um, to, to that model, to input our assumptions into that model so we can have a comparison yeah. of um, we, our we, budget versus those costs. We can certainly uh, put staffing on a, a future HITS uh, agenda. Um, the other question that I have is, um, has there been a projection for the upkeep of the art that we are installing on the island? The first of which is the point of infinity, um, Sugimoto point of infinity. There is a second um, art installation, which you, we are in the process mm -hmm. of looking for an artist for that. Um, where in the budget? does the maintenance of the artworks, where does that come from? We, we have uh, a standing uh, arts item in that's been in the budget for many years, which is primarily uh, for at-house services in uh, conservation of uh, and storage of the Covarubias murals. But if there were significant expenses related to the, um, uh, the art installation, due to vandalism or something else, uh, we would draw upon the, the arts fee budget, uh, where we, we have, um, as Jamie alluded to, pr based on prior years, we have standing appropriation balances available. Okay, well, I, I um, think that it's, we're about to accept um, certainly the Hilltop Park and also the art installation, which I think it's going to be one of the icons in San Francisco. I the think world. it's going to rival Coit Tower in terms of um, people wanting to see that item. And I'm concerned if that the, the ongoing maintenance and security for the art installations is going to be drawn down from the, um, from the budget that we have for the part uh, for for the arts um, because then that would further reduce the amount that we have for new artworks um, I, I would like to suggest that that uh, the maintenance of the artworks come from the um, maintenance the fund that we have for the parks because the artworks are in the parks and I would suggest that the fund that we have for maintenance and op 
um, upkeep of the parks also be used then for the artworks and that that funding then would be separate from the fund that we have which is for the creation of new works um, and I don't know if that's been discussed by staff but certainly um, I like to have that discussed by the board uh, that has not yet been discussed by staff but I think when we do uh, relook at the general parks and open space maintenance of which I'm interpreting art maintenance in that open space category. We can revisit that. Uh, the, the one thing we would just need to confirm is that those specific subsidies and special taxes um, that, that's eligible as an expense. Uh, but I imagine if it's qualified as an open space maintenance, um, it should be okay. Yeah, um, well it is a fixture. In the, the, those are artworks which are permanent fixtures in the parts and so if there's um, you know, the funding that comes from there would be, would be preferable than coming from the arts fund. Um, so then my um, other, and I'm glad that we have, you know, community services and programs and the equity programs, but I am disappointed that there is zero dollars in this year's budget to, for the Treasure Island art program. Um, and I, I think that the art is actually an economic engine. It's going to bring people to the island, and it's going to have an appeal um, for the city as well as for the region. Um, and I think that we have an incredible arts master plan, but we don't have the resources to actually carry it out. So um, I think it, it is disappointing not to have um, more funding for the um, Treasure Island Art Program. Um, we have a 1% of development for public art, but because development has been stalled, we don't have that funding for new artworks. Um, but I, I would like to work with staff to look at areas where we can find to increase the budget for, for certain things. We've had to cut out you know, photography programs, um, uh, you know, there was the suggestion of the art residency program on Treasure Island. We've got the housing that could be used for artists as well. Um, there's um, many things that we can do if we had a more robust art project. The question then is really where can we find that money um, to be able to do it. But I think that it should be given um, equal priority. Um, and in fact, it can be an economic engine for the island, bringing people to the island, which then would um, fund uh, the retail and the, and the um, cafes and restaurants that eventually will bloom on the island as well. So those are my comments. I'd like to open it up to the rest of the board. Ms. Richardson. Yeah, thank you so much, um, Amy, for that uh, presentation. And this, your documents also um, an improvement on the previous one because in the various documents you actually accentuate on each specific item. So I want to commend you on that. Uh, I have a series of questions and the first one has to do with the open space. This year, 2024, it's where we are looking for where we really need to stop talking and put uh, some substance in place and during our retreat and from previous conversations, we said that. I'm looking at the budget, um, development budget, 
And for the open space parks, I know you have 250K. And so I'm trying to figure out specifically what they're going to do because we need the planning, uh, Mr. Beck, for that particular, all the items that we identified that will help us to segue to actually putting something in place. It may not be the entire plan or document, but because, yeah, because we know that we have this project that is going to span years, so we have the flexibility of plugging information in as we go. However, the infrastructure, the foundation has to be built. So the budget that you have can kind of help me out here. Uh, that 250K for the development, is it to that or because for the assistant, what, what is that going to do, uh, you know, for that budget and how are we going to get from plan A to plan B? That's the first question. Sorry, the, the 115 million in the earlier uh, in the DDA amendments. I think uh, no. Or I'm talking uh, about board member planning. Richardson's talking about the 250,000 for yeah, parks and open space for the planning. Oh, oh. For yes. the planning, so which one for the existing or which? Yeah, that, can, can that, that, yeah that that's meant to be an allowance for us to do some planning efforts for the future. Um, for instance, when we had our retreat and we visited um, the. Uh, uh, the hilltop parks at 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 the in the Presidio. Um, there are, are a couple of areas that where we believe we need some potential out outside expertise. Uh, one is on the horticultural front to make sure that during the establishment period that we're taking the appropriate measures to make sure that uh, our our plants are being well established, but also um, uh, the director at the Presidio Trust described. Um, a consultant that they did uh, that helped them forecast visitation volumes so that they could make sure that the restrooms were appropriately sized uh, to have the number of stalls. Um, I know uh, an issue that has been of historical concern for some members of the board is when the island's up and running and everything's built out, you know, will we become the new Sausalita? and have you know hundreds of visitors getting off the ferry with bikes um, these consultants will help us understand uh, the probabilities of of uh, the numbers of visitors that we we would need to be prepared for and help us plan accordingly so those those are a couple of uh, areas that uh, we think we may explore uh, with some consultant services yeah, and it's very important. I'm glad I asked the question because that way, on record, we know the dedicated, you know, budget for us to be able to do that. Yes, we went to the Presidio, a gold, you know, platinum standard, and you know, we have people in the Bay Area, all over the country, that we visited that will be able to kind of help us. Yeah, it's not that we are trying to reinvent the wheel here. We are trying to utilize uh, proving. Uh, expertise and models and it's us getting those things together and then trying to formulate our own from there so that is great and we need to look at that the second question I have is in regards to the community services and at the last budget meeting we we itemized that I'm going to reiterate here again San Francisco Treasure Island residents are San Francisco residents 
And so we are providing, we've, we've been providing, trying to get the island up to you know, par and committing. We are not a general fund. What is the timeline? And what are the specific programs that you don't have to answer them today, but we need to just, that we are going to be able to transfer to any grade all those services to the city and county of San Francisco for these San Francisco residents. That's gonna be able to help us to, in a budget that, that the flexibility we need to be able to get those funds into other area that we need where we're keeping the development in an economic challenging environment. So Mr. Beck, yeah, that is a major item, you know, getting the SFPUC to own their part that takes millions from our budget. And then all this other, because I saw the optimization here, the children, youth, and families, you know, DPH. I know that the DPH and the human services, we are paying less this year than previously. I, I noticed that. So all those items, when are we going to be able to look at them? And what is the timeline? So we can help you all to begin to work in simultaneously to make sure that that happens. Uh, due course of time. Do you want to respond to that, Mr. Beck, or later on? Well, I, 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 we can respond in more detail and specificity, service by service department, but I would require it. But I think it is it is uh, something that we will we will be continuously working on um, with individual agencies uh, and with the mayor's budget staff to to try and trans uh, transition programs. Um, and, and draw support from other departments. And some may move more quickly than, than others. Okay. But it's something that we would be, we, we will be definitely working on over the next year. Um, and, uh, but I think it will be a continuing effort going forward. Okay, on the equity of programs, I and mean, Nelly is here because Treasure Island, you know, we are the only project that I know from the onset that actually written in our DDA, a robust equity program. And we have the workforce training for outreach use. I mean, we're going to the prison, we're taking people that other folks in San Francisco, other entities that are interested in workforce development would do not even touch them. We are training them. So we have a proven, highly regarded workforce training already. And there are many provisions. We have the arts, which uh, Commissioner Shen mentioned before, where we having uh, Treasure Island residents and photography, and we have a slew of other kinds there. So on the uh, San Francisco planning here for this part-time, what is it basically, are they going to be, because we should be helping San Francisco planning. My goal here was that when the equity was, and um, you know, and inclusion, and what's established. I was really excited about that because it seemed to me that Treasure Island was a little bit ahead of a lot of the agencies. And I was hoping that what we have here that we can help, uh, the, not the other way around, for, because we're already planning to kind of help the planning to be showcasing all we have here. So what are they gonna be doing? What kind of planning are they gonna be doing that Nelly and we already help us here? Yeah, thank you, Commissioner, for asking. We definitely are planning to do uh, uh, 
Oh, yeah, there you are, Nella. Uh, a presentation with Nella in more detail. But first, most certainly, we deeply uh, appreciate the work that One Treasure Island has been doing. And this is our effort as TIDA to lead in extra capacity from the government agency to support their work. So I would maybe invite Nella to talk a little bit too, but we've got a, when we come before you next, we've got a, a draft work program. And you can see out of the things that are right now listed in this budget, one of the items is the community kitchen, which is a key priority that's come out of the work of One Treasure Island. So with the planning staff, we are working to advance some of the ideas that have come out from the long running community processes that OTI has done and help those come to fruition. Yes, please, and, you, and in part of our equity, I saw in your budget also the Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, we continue to fund them. I envision that a document for equity here in San Francisco that the planning department will be able to showcase that what we've done here is really have exceeded the, the city Hopefully that they can emulate that. Like I said, our workforce training and all these other uh, components are what we hope that the city will emulate and not just the documenting, that's what I see. So we can talk that's, more about that. That's right, planning is not bringing in their own independent program, they're adding capacity. It's the city leaning in and the city demonstrating that there's a city interest to provide yeah, the services we need. because they've been tasked for that, but they're that's getting right. input from the departments and they're gonna publish uh, documents on the state of equity for every department. And what I'm saying here is that um, we are the platinum standard and that document better reflect um, you know, what we are doing here because we can help them. And lastly here, I did not see, we talk about that a lot of time. The only time we read about Treasure Island is hit and miss. Sometimes you hear about something, you know, it's a negative. This is a major a development of its kind. I didn't see anything here for communications and uh, the communications, is it gonna be in-house or are we really gonna put some budget here because we need to get off the ground. Like today, we have all this consortium of all those developers, you know, uh, and the collaboration we have. It ought to be a public, you know, a PR, you know. We need to have a press release where that's an opportunity for us that for our president and you know members here and the director can accentuate what we are doing, it will be helpful for us. For instance, the state, you know, Department of Housing will get that. The city, everybody will get that, and people then will kind of help us to get this iconic development where we're making progress on there. And we're also going to have the Sujimoto iconic sculpture in North America that is just gonna blow everybody apart when they see that. How are we going to manage the communications that? I didn't see anything on this budget here. It's a good question. It is definitely in the budget. I'll let Jamie tell you exactly where it is, but uh, we do uh, prioritize uh, you know, what you're saying is that uh, the proactive communications. And as a result of that, you know, Bob had uh, authorized in your previous budget, authorized the hiring of an on staff, Titus staff, Brie Constance Huffin, uh, started not too many months ago with us, and she's been uh, making the LinkedIn updates uh, to your presentation. She's also been working on developing some very basic communications, one-pagers, so that we have information ready to go about the state of electrical supply and, and many different issues. And we're also partnering uh, 
across the city agencies, including the city administrator with their public information officers, as well as with TICD on how we can do effective joint public-private partnership announcements. And we're using some of the work that the Port of San Francisco has done uh, in their development agreements as a model for uh, what is the obligation of the public agency to lead, where can the private uh, agency kind of amplify, and how do we work together on joint statements. And hopefully uh, you'll see that evident in the planning for the opening of the Hilltops Parks, which we're working uh, with all those parties together to prepare for a celebration in May. Yeah, thank you. The part of San Francisco is the best, yes. So please, what you just said, we would like to probably help us to put it together so we can review that. And lastly, for the art, I, you know, Commissioner Shen and I sit on the Arts Chairing Committee with the Arts Commission, and yes, we, art is extremely very important. It's actually part of the economic engine, and when people see the Sujimoto, it in San Francisco, the whole world, people will want to come to Treasure Island, and we wanted to duplicate that, to keep that ongoing as part of the vision for the master plan, and so, if we're able to upload some of these expenses, we might be able to recoup something and again, to keep some things going. So again, this is a wonderful uh, you know, presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Ms. Howard? Yes. Mr. Oh, Mrs. Dunlop, sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah, um, thank you for the brilliant, splendid, detailed uh, presentation. There's a lot here. And I'd just like to, uh, first off, thank the staff. I mean, we have an incredible staff that does amazing things. And for, you know, we're almost like a city of our own. And yet our staffing isn't anywhere near what the staffing is with the city. And which sort of, uh, jumps together with what um, the director uh, was saying about the, you know, uh, the expenses and all. You know, we have a huge rec and park department, but do they help us out very much? Are we participating with them? Do they... What do they give to us? Because we're not a separate city. We are San Francisco, and we really need to work with all the other departments. And I'm not sure how much we do or don't, but certainly as far as money goes, it doesn't seem that we participate all, or they participate all that much in our, our work and our parks and our maintenance. And I think that's a really important aspect. Uh, thank you, uh, board member Dunlap. I think that's another item that we uh, hope to come back to you very soon with in March and give you an update on the parks and open space. And uh, in the very near term, board president Faison and Robert Beck will be uh, having a conversation about opportunities for more assistance with from Rec Park and with Rec Park in, in those sorts of operations. So. I think that uh, conversation will happen next week and then staff will provide a report uh, to the full board very soon. Thank you very much. Ms. Ms. Howard, please. Thank you. Um, and in keeping with um, President Sen's um, comments earlier, I love you, Jamie. 
You're so awesome. I love that you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love all the work you do on this and um, getting us to a place that we can understand it. I'm going through my own budgeting process right now in my own organization. I just have a couple of things on your Excel spreadsheet. Sure. As we noted at our retreat, um, yeah, your staff, you have an amazing staff, very tiny staff. And I'm noting the, here that the staff salaries with benefits is is comparable to um, light item six and 10, like other professional services and other administrative work orders. And I'm just curious if there's any efficiencies or thinking about perhaps taking some of that line item for professional services and maybe hiring whatever, you know, is there a potential to get additional staff instead of having, you know, a million dollars in or $2 million in professional services? I know that's complicated, but I just wanted to put it out there because that's like, it's comparable to what the staff salaries are. And, um, I know that you all are doing a lot and um, we appreciate you. So that's my only question and comment. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, happy to, to answer. And, and if Director Beck has um, anything he'd like to add, please uh, please do so. Um, in, in terms of, um, um, I'm gonna answer in reverse, but in terms of the um, other administrative work orders, uh, which to your point is nearly a million dollars, um, page six of Exhibit B breaks that out further um, to give you a little bit more detail into what um, makes up that nearly million dollar figure. Um, I will say that a, a large portion of it, nearly $300,000 of it, is uh, tied to insurance um, for general liability and director's officer's insurance, um, which is a requirement of all city departments uh, to be covered for general liability to the extent um, certain scopes are not um, covered by uh, the city's uh, general fund. Um, about $350,000 of that, uh, so these are the two major line items um, in that category, uh, $350,000 amount is tied to what is called a general services agency work order. That is essentially um, a uh, line item that all city administrator departments pay into uh, the over kind of overarching umbrella costs that the city administrator has in terms of a central office capacity. Uh, it amounts to about 10% of staff salaries and fringe benefits on the department level. Um, uh, I will say in the past few years, TIDA has been, despite the fact that we're only 14 FDEs, uh, when we were under 10, a lot of uh, the work, for example, the finance manager would sit with a separate city department, um, and that city department would charge TIDA. As the program has grown in complexity, we have then moved over those uh, services to be tied to full-time staff. And so we've observed that over the past few years by growing from nine to 14. So we're incrementally getting there. Um, and then I will say that the third line item in that overall budget is also tied to the contract monitoring division. Um, that's, for, that's for oversight and administration of our LBE program which we've presented to before. Um, it's about $150,000. Uh, however, that is being paid for by vertical development fees, so it's being slightly offset by a non-tighter revenue. Um, but that, that, I think, uh, you know, these functions in the other administrative work orders are, are really around um, services that we can't directly do as tight as staff, uh, but really are central to city department functions. 
uh, citywide. And and uh, under under item six, the other professional services, the the the, the largest the item there is the security contract um, represents more than half of uh, or almost two thirds uh, of that line item, um, and then the. Uh, uh, the next largest component is is the operation of the YMCA. Uh, so, um, the, the, those are things I don't think we would want to bring in house. But when we look at uh, the development related professional services, um, maybe there's some opportunities there. Yeah. Um, thanks for that, um, Director Beck. So you're saying that the other professional services. Half of it is for security, and the other portion is the YMCA, because the YMCA is represented in another. Just um, the YMCA contract, confusingly, <laughs> is grouped into the other professional services contract. Okay. For purposes of the presentation, it is it was included in that community services gotcha. contract. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. So... Um, yeah. Hearing um, no other comments by the board, are there um, any comments from the public? Okay, so hearing so none. Move it. Okay. Second. So we have a motion and a second to approve. Um, and I would say I am going to approve it, but I am disappointed that there's no money in the arts um, budget for this year. Um, and it's something that I think we need to work on so that the following year we will, you know, be able to at least um, implement some of our arts master plan. All right. Um, good. So um, I'm going to call for the vote. All those in favor say aye. 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 All those opposed, so the ayes have it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> Item you. number nine, resolution adopting Treasure Island Park names and Yerba Buena Island Park renaming. So uh, thank you, directors. Um, we're bringing the, the parks names for the uh, phase one parks uh, and to, to you for approval, as well as a recommendation to um, rename uh, the, the western high point of Hilltop Park. Um, Kevin Conger of, of um, CMG um, Landscape Architects uh, will walk through kind of um, the efforts and evaluations that have brought us to our, our recommendations today. Yes, and Kevin, we've saved the best to the last. <laughs> so you had to sit through um, all of that um, budget discussion in advance. But um, Yes, yeah. thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Kevin Conger with CMG Landscape Architecture. I was a young man when I started working on this project 20 years ago. <laughs> um, I feel like a rookie compared to some of the still uh, people that have been involved in this project. But uh, here we are. Yes, we finally got through all that budget stuff so you can get to the reason why you're here today, which is what are we going to name these parks? Um, we're going to focus today on the Treasure Island parks, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a walk down memory lane of how we've got to name some of the streets and some of the other parks just to um, remind you. On the, the Treasure Island parks, we've been at this process for about two years now exactly. We've had a couple rounds and go-arounds with, um, with the CAB and, and the HITS committee and have been refining the names uh, on the Treasure Island Park. So we've had a really 
good process here. We're, we hope to be right at the end of this process because the good news is we're going to be opening parks uh, later in this year, and we want to have names for them when we open them. We're building several parks on Treasure Island now this year. Um, we just, just to step back a little bit, all of the park naming kind of falls under the umbrella of the um, Wayfinding and Signage Master Plan, which was approved in 2015 as part of the um, project approvals. And, oops, I'm sorry. And, um, and we've had a couple different naming rounds. We did a, a session around the um, streets on Treasure and Your Buena Island, which were named primarily um, inspired by the places and architects and artists that were involved in the World's Fair. In 2021, we did a Yerba Buena Park naming, and those names were themed around the geography, geology, and nature and sort of special place of this rock in the middle of the bay. And now in, at this point, we're looking at the names for Treasure Island, and, and most of them are themed around um, the aviation history of Treasure Island, although there are a few exceptions of places like Cityside Park that are just named really straightforwardly about its place and position on the island and the defining character. So the si and just to let you know where all these names are going to be seen, other than like on Google Earth and maps and so forth, um, but when people are at the park, they'll experience these names on the um, signage, the wayfinding signage that is part of that wayfinding and signage master plan. So there are these larger scale signage blades and some pedestrian scale signage blades, and there's also gonna be uh, interpretive signage in incorporated in the public realm. So looking at the street names, just going back to that, inspired by the Golden Gate International Exposition, there's a lot to work with in this category because there's just so many fantastic um, places and people that were associated with the World's Fair, uh, a handful of you know amazing artists and um, like Sotomayor and places like the Pacific Basin Fountain and some of the planners and architects like, um, like Johnson. Um, there were the courts of the Pacific and all kinds of gardens and place names associated with the World's Fair uh, to draw from. And so all the streets are named based on these. I know you can't read this map, but you know, just to give you an example of a few of them, just to remind you, there's Seven Seas Avenue and Pacifica Street and some named after people like Kellum Street, which is named after George Kellum, who's the architect of uh, Building One which was the passenger terminal and also, by the way, the um, Palace Hotel in San Francisco. So some really kind of cool things to draw from there. On Yerba Buena Island, again, name, um, those names are mostly based on the places. So there's the Buckeye Grove and um, the rocks and things that are about either geography, geology, or um, nature. And so now getting to the, all the parks on Treasure Island, what you see here in gray are the ones that have been approved already for Yerba Buena Island. And you see there's one pink one which we're um, proposing to revise. And then all the pink ones on Treasure Islands are the ones we're gonna be talking about today. And I'm gonna just tour through each of these spaces. Again, they're inspired by the um, aviation history. As you know, Treasure Island was um, built as a World's Fair, but with the intention of it then becoming the, an airport for both water-based and land-based um, pl um, planes. And this was important because that was a big way that they got the money to build Treasure Island was through this federal partnership to make it into an airport and to allow it to be the World's Fair first. The um, seaplane component was built. Here they are constructing the island with some federal money, building it on the shoal. Um, the seaplane infrastructure was completed. They were flying the um, 
the um, Pan Am, they called them the flying boats, Pan Am World, Air, World Airways flying boats, in which, of which the China Clipper was um, one of those, or part of that fleet. They landed at Clipper Cove, which at the time was called the Port of Trade Winds Harbor, and the passenger terminal and the hangars were built um, for that purpose. The, um, the pilots would come and go from the, um, from the um, passenger terminal there, and the Pan, Pan Am headquarters was planned but never officially built, the whole large-scale Pan Am headquarters. The World's Fair was built, and the flights were operating during the World's Fair, and one of the things that you hear when you hear the oral histories of people that went to the World's Fair were those that were lucky enough to see the planes take off and land and coming in and out of um, this uh, airport, which is pretty cool, and it be certainly became part of the identity and um, history of San Francisco, and as you can see, like on these um, airmail stamps and things, it was kind of one of the really special things. So we think that is a really inspiring um, takeoff point, sorry, pardon the pun, for um, naming the parks on Treasure Island. So starting with the ferry um, terminal, Treasure Island Landing, it's of course where people are going to be arriving and departing from on the island, whether it be by bus or um, by ferry. So um, that seems to be super appropriate. This um, facility is built. The shelter is not there yet, but if you haven't taken the ferry over there, I'm sure you all have. It's a um, really exciting way to get on and off the island. Coming up in front of Building 1 is Unity Plaza. Um, there's some, you know, Unity was one of the big themes of the World's Fair of um, bringing uh, people and cultures together um, globally. Um, and, and there are some of these artifacts that are still uh, on the building so uh, that are Unity-inspired. Uh, so Unity Plaza will be the plaza in front of Building 1. Moving behind Building 1 is Court of Pacifica. Court of Pacifica was one of the place names for one of the um, major public spaces that was, it wasn't in this location. It was sort of down at the north west corner of Job Corps is where the Court of Pacifica was during the World's Fair. But um, it was a special place, and we believe this is going to be a special place, and it's, a, I think, a, a cool name. Um, moving back a little bit further east, in, uh, right in front of Hangar 2 is Pan Am Grove. <clears throat> it's just on the west side of Hangar 2, um, which was the Pan American Airways uh, hangar. We call it Grove because there is going to be a grove of olive trees from olive trees that are being, um, re the existing olive trees on the island that were planted for the World's Fair. Those are going to be dug up and moved and put into a grove uh, in front of this location. Uh, and there's also the Spirit of Transportation, which one is, is a relief that's uh, on Hangar 2 that was built um, as part of the World's Fair. And here's one of the renderings of the Pan Am Grove. Um, uh, in between hangars two and three is Aviators Court. This is a space that's going to serve the parking needs for those two buildings, but it's also going to be a community event space. Um, so it's a, largely a paved space with a couple big trees in it, and it's going to have these kind of cool aviation graphics, super graphics that are painted uh, over the paved areas with these aviation themes. And um, Clipper Cove Promenade is just named for its place uh, along Clipper Cove, which seems really logical. And then um, Chapel Grove is the small park around the existing chapel that is um, starting construction soon. There's a pre-bid meeting, pre meeting to today, actually, for that. So very excited to get that 
started, but there's going to be a bosque of trees, a grove around the existing chapel, and a park surrounding that. Um, so that's a very straightforward name, as is Cityside Park, which, as you know, is the park that's on the west side facing back to San Francisco, the first phase of which has uh, started construction and will be open uh, at the end of the year. Over on the east side is the East Side Gardens, which is a series of neighborhood-serving gardens that marches along to the um, waterfront on the east side of the island. Up on Yerba Buena Island, the one um, revision that we're proposing is to rename um, the Hilltop Park as Panoramic Park. It was previously called Infinity Park, um, but then the um, sculpture was called Infinity Point, and it was just confusing to have the park and the sculpture be the same thing. So here is a, a view from Signal East, which is the other higher park looking towards uh, that park, and here's Panorama West. And we had gone around with a lot of different names for this, and many of the good ones are taken, which is that list on the right there. But the idea of Panorama, once that park was built and we all went up there, it just seemed like a no-brainer because it is the most amazing panoramic view of anywhere in the bay. Um, and I believe that is it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And this is wonderful for us to see all the parks that are going to be built on Treasure Island. And in fact, you know, it is the public realm. It's the parks where people meet. And during the pandemic, we all realized how important these open spaces were. So um, naming them, and I've said this before, how pleased I am that the names are architects and artists and not military men or even presidents or battles, um, that we, again, um, honor the artists who were so much part of the history of Treasure Island and, and to have the na street names after them is, is a great idea. And also a nod to the aviation history that was here on Treasure Island. Now, I think all the names are appropriate. Um, and are we, uh, is this an action item yeah. for us? Yes, so um, I open it up to the rest of the board for your comments, sure. Ms. Sure. Richardson. Thank you, Mr. Conger, and yes, saving the best for the last, and, <laughs> and we'll make sure that even next time you will be fast-tracked on the agenda. So, yeah, we've, your, at the last presentation, I think it was unanimous almost that um, we need to proceed um, with this important task. And we appreciate the naming conventions. I mean, you have itemized to the public and to the board why we chose these certain names, and so they really make sense. Uh, for this, um, this is a Black History Month. For this, uh, Sergeant Claude Johnson, which he was one of the artists and the show there. Which um, could you go to the slide again? And I know you. Is, which one is named? Highlighting, yeah. From him. Yeah. Is that what you're going to ask me? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant uh, I'll field that one for you, Kevin. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, Johnson Street is the northernmost Windrow Street of. Uh, stage one. So the entrance to Starview Court will be on Johnson Street. Oh, great. And one more, you know, this um, Treasure Island project from the inception. 
has had the blessings of significant mayors San Francisco. Uh, it was Mayor Brown that established, you know, Treasure Island, make sure, put that forward. And uh, Mayor Newsom took over and fast-tracked that. And then we had the late Mayor Ed Lee. Now we have Mayor Breed. All of those mayors, Mayor Ed Lee died. And his significant contribution, in fact, the day that Mayor Lee passed away, and the public should know this, the item on his agenda, his last on the agenda, was Treasure Island. He had assembled Tida Director, and Bob, you can help me out with this, and all city agencies, and again, he was working to say, hey, we need to move this project forward. He has done that consistently during his life. I know this particular, we, we had the situation where he had to wake up and give a mandate to all the agencies and Director Bobek work with them and finally put that all the city department were at his office. That was his last act in San Francisco. I know that we're doing it, it's an action item. And I'm just bringing it forward to you because you are an innovator and creators and we value your work, is that at some point, we're gonna have to, we cannot have this development in place without having anything for, uh, you know, for me, you know, at least, okay, we're gonna work on that. And I esteem, you know, by director also. So I, I'm just gonna bring you that out there because the next time you hear from me and everybody is gonna be this is 2024, we need to march towards making something happen so it does not become an annotation. It is something very significant. So, and having said that, I think um, your work speaks for itself and so I'm glad that we've gotten this far and ready, I like this presentation. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. Dunlop, um, we're past 3.30. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> really quick. Hey, I, I wanted to thank you for all of your hard work and naming all of this stuff just can't be easy. And um, But I, I, I'm bringing this up because we talked about the chapel. And this, so this is a tad different though. There's a cross on the chapel, on the chapel. And I have a bunch of, you know, friends who aren't Christian. And, and neither am I. And I don't think that a cross is appropriate. So it has nothing to do with anything. So I'm sorry, but it's the first time we've talked about the chapel. So, um, but thank you for all of your hard work and doing the naming on this. I appreciate it. And I, I like the names, and, but I also agree with, you know, Ed Lee needs something. Yes. Great man. Thank you. Okay, so then we will, um, anybody from the audience would like to make a comment? So hearing none, um, so moved. We, we have a motion and a second. All those in favor, say aye. 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 All those opposed, so the ayes have it. Thank you very much, Kevin, Thank for you. all nice your work. You. Happy Valentine's. Item number 10, discussion of future agenda items by directors. Yes, please. I just want, um, for the ATS, I want to make sure because I'm hearing, you know, we went to the Presidio. We, I want to make sure, again, for the park, that the instructions we have, that we're all kind of marching. 
So I would like to have that, um, you know, the further discussions and who you're talking to, what, what the substance of those discussions. I think it would be great for this commission also. And, you know, to know as we are trying to put this parks uh, mandate up together, so, okay. Yeah. You, uh, you know, your, yeah. Right. Maybe if you don't mind, Anne-Marie, could you um, maybe talk about the thinking of what you're going to be presenting before the board in the next few months? I think that there was sort of a plan of how we go forward in thinking about the operations management and... Um, yeah. First, I'd like to give the director a chance to um, comment before I do. Yeah. Um, I think we, we have a number of topics that, that we, we need to bring forward. Um, the Parks Code is one that we're working with the city attorney's office on, and, and um, that schedule is going to be d really driven by the, the, the work on drafting. Um, uh, based on our conversation today, uh, want to bring back uh, uh, budgeting and staffing projections and so that you can uh, kind of see uh, what went into making the, the, the sausage that, that was presented in the budget today. Um, there's also the question of governance and staffing, and, and uh, in that we'll also be exploring what role Rec and Park uh, may play uh, in that. Um, but certainly uh, uh, also in the realm of governance, uh, the role of a conservancy, which we, we understand uh, is going to be vital. Um, I think we have questions about um, the, the timing and, and mechanics of, of forming the conservancy. Um, but those are some of the topics that, that we're, we're working on and we'll be bringing forward. Um, but if you wanted to add anything, Anne-Marie, okay. And, and I think it's just the timing. Um, we're obviously very intent on getting through the process and being, um, being careful as to how we put the organization together because once you have gone a certain way, it's hard to come back and change it. Um, and I think having conversations as we did with the Presidio um, Trust um, it's important. I think having um, conversations with Park and Rec um, is important, but the idea of a conservancy. Um, I think that Treasure Island is a very special place. It has a special plan, um, and whether we want to turn over that maintenance to just Park and Rec, um, that's something that I think there's some questions about, and so we're exploring um, the, those conversations um, as Forward, yeah. Yes, can I add more? And I think the instructions that we gave, and we say that, and please correct me, was that we are looking at models. And for you to bring back, not just one, you know, a model that other people are doing. For example, we have different things, you know, going on. And without, and we would look at those models and think about, you know, a discussion which of them? So be very careful because that's basically the instructions we gave. Let's see, because we're unique, we're different. We don't wanna do, because this is iconic. We're, we are actually trying to help San Francisco, the region again, to see a, a model, an innovative model, uh, you know, for decades. 
San Francisco has created parks, you know, um, redevelopment agency, and again, we've been talking about this, and there's no plan. So we don't want to, what we instruction that we gave is before, come up, go give a presentation of what you have found out. For example, what is Recon Park doing that the other people do? What is the East Bay, uh, just hypothetically? Let's look at those first. And we will look at those more, not just one, because that's not going to work. And then we can say, okay, this is way here, because I'm going to want to talk to, again, we are open here to talk to everybody. So be very careful about that. And the reason, because right now we have Rubicon, we have all these other people that are working, but we are trying to find a model. So don't jump. Follow those instructions. The presentation, and again, we'd like to see the draft. It had better should have all those items in there. So I can look at that. We are also gonna be doing our own you know, research. So once we look that, we can take a little bit from here and here and here, and we also have folks that we've spoken to uh, in New, as far as New York, the East Coast uh, before. We're looking at that model. And here, the Presidio is a platinum standard. What they are doing, they are ahead of the city and county of San Francisco in terms of development and the vision that they have, and they are actually adding more parks right now as we speak. And we have people in the Bay Area, so that's what I would like to see when you come back um, to, to give your presentation, please. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Board Member Richardson. I certainly wrote down uh, the specific names that you just said of uh, models that you'd like to see explored, and I would encourage the public and members of the board, if you have other specific examples you'd like to be have included in the report, certainly uh, write Titus staff, write Bob, write me, and we'll look into it. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Right. So next item, please. Item 11, adjourn. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you can you can go home now and have yes, <laughs> Valentine's dinner. <laughs>